the constraints that we put on ourselves to become spectacular, we treat fine like it's a dirty word, like there's something wrong with being okay and good enough. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to the Rocky Retirement Show. I have a great guest on my show today. Her name is Mary Fran Bontempo. She has this great sense of humor, which you can tell from the name of her blog, Not Ready for Granny Panties. <laughs> She's also the author of three books. Now, we're going to get down and dirty talking about her latest book. It's called The Woman's Book of Dirty Words. I'll let her tell you more about her background. But before we talk about her book, I have a couple of burning questions to ask. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kathy. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And we are going to talk about your book. And there's a couple of other books that you've written that I'd like to just talk a little bit about. But before we start talking about the dirty words, <laughs> I want to ask you about an article on your website about shushing your brain. Shushing. Shushing my yeah, brain. shushing your brain. <laughs> So my brain is going a million miles a minute all the time. I lay in bed. I can't think. So tell me about how to shush your brain, and then we'll talk about your book. Well, you know, I was in the middle of reading the book called My Stroke of Insight by Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor, who did this amazing TED Talk where she recounts her stroke and how it affected her. And one of the things she talked about was brain chatter. And as soon as I read that phrase, I thought, oh, my God. Gosh, that's what it is. I mean, it was the voices inside my head. And she very simply said that she just started to tell her brain to be quiet. And I realized that I was, I am an expert in shushing. I'm shushing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, how many people have I shushed over my lifetime? And I just thought, you know what? This could be very effective if I started shushing myself. So, you know, whenever I find my brain sort of running on those paths where I'm in that gerbil on a wheel kind of a thing, mm -hmm. I shush myself. I just say, okay, shh, shh, <laughs> you, you be quiet now. Shh. And honestly, it sounds crazy, but it works. Oh my gosh. So is this like a quick form of meditation kind of? I, you know what? I think it absolutely is because that nonstop stream, and that's one of the issues that people have with meditation is that their brain chatter is constantly going. So if you acknowledge that it's there and then just say, okay, I know you're there, but it's time to shush, shush now just for a minute. Shh. It gives you and it permission, it to be quiet and you to ignore it. And it's really helpful. Well, you know what? I'm going to post a link to that blog post in the show notes. So if you are interested as a listener in reading that article, it's short. It's not a long article, but it was really interesting. You can find the uh, URL in the show notes. So thank you so much for writing that. And you said that the author did a TED Talk as well? She did. Her name is Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor, and she does a fascinating TED Talk um, based on her book called My Stroke of Insight. And it's really amazing, her talk about the brain. And again, her little insights into brain chatter were quite illuminating for me. Well, I'm going to check out that TED Talk. Thank you so much. Isn't it amazing the world that we live in? Oh my gosh. The information that's available to us, it's astounding the people that we can, that can suddenly be right in front of our faces and we can learn from them. It's amazing. I know. We can have incredible mentors that we've never even met. 
It's great. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. In the past, you'd have to read somebody's book. I mean, you know, when I was younger, of course, you could read books by amazing people, but you read them in your own voice. You don't read them in their voice. And so it's super cool to be able to just pull up your iPhone, go to the TED Talk. I think they have, TED Talks has an app, right? I usually listen on my computer or watch it on my computer. I think they have an app though, don't they? I think they do too, but I, I'm usually the computer girl too, so I usually watch it there. But it's so amazing that we can pull these things up. It's, everything's at our fingertips. The world is changing at such a fast rate, it's hard to keep up with. <laughs> exponentially, as I've said many times, exponentially. I am in an exponentially different place than I was even 10 years ago, and I think most of us are. I think we are. I mean, 10 years ago, Facebook wasn't what it is now. And I don't know about you, but I have the hardest time shushing myself off of Facebook. It's so difficult. And so I have pretty much taken the news feed off of my Facebook. And all I look at is the little world thing that says, okay, these people, I I just glance through that and then I'll click. So my friends probably think I don't like them anymore, but (laughs) let me tell you, I mean, I get Facebook requests now, you know, now that you will, you know this because you're in the public eye as well. You get requests from people that you haven't personally met. And of course, you like, okay, you know, and then all of a sudden your feed is going a million miles a minute because you've got all these people and more so for me on Twitter than Facebook because I'm attached to a lot of people on Twitter. Facebook, I think is like 500 or 300. I don't know. It's in the hundreds. It's not in the thousands on Facebook, but I created a public profile, but everybody just wants to connect to me personally. Yeah. And I think that's the illusion that it gives you that you're friends, quote unquote, with with these people. But I think that's why it's really so important to compartmentalize all of that stuff. And I find myself doing the same thing. I mean, the news feed is there, but I might scroll down to maybe two or three things, see what's on there, and then I'm off. Then I I go somewhere else because otherwise it really can suck you in. (laughs) You have to. And I'm starting to block my time now. Like today's Friday. And the reason why I'm doing this interview on a Friday is because I've been gone for a significant amount of time. We were on a cruise to New Zealand. And then my husband has some medical conditions that requires that he do things on Tuesday. Tuesday is my normal interview day. So I I block time now and Facebook is way down. On the priority list. Yeah, sure. It has to be. And you know, you recognize where all these things fit into your life. And I think that's a fluid thing too. Sometimes they fit more than others and that's fine. We just have to learn how to put all of these things into our life and then jettison them when they aren't working for us. That's right. Now, I just heard you say a dirty word. Did you catch it? (laughs) The fine word. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about that. And and that just blew it because I was going to say, can my pastor listen to this episode with dirty words? So I just (laughs) blew it. It's not what you might think. But as a a writer, I thought it was a really catchy title. So that's why I went with it. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is my pastor can listen to this episode. Yes, he absolutely can. (laughs) (laughs) There have been some episodes that he probably shouldn't listen to. Probably (laughs) shouldn't. This one will be safe, I promise. (laughs) Okay, good. So tell us about that dirty word, fine. Tell us a little bit about that. The whole concept of the idea of dirty words came about in this whole process of aging and moving through life and transitioning. I started to realize that the words that I was using in my life, these common everyday words, were really related to who I was 
and not necessarily to who I am or who I want to be and where I want to be moving in my life. So I started thinking about some of these really common words, and it started with silly ones like vacation and dinner, which mean one thing to everybody else in the world and an entirely different thing to women who are in charge of those things. (laughs) And then I moved on to other words, and the word fine, and we're talking about Facebook, which is tied into this, became one of those words that really had multiple meanings, and they weren't all good. And one of the things that I say, it started out by saying, you know, we live in this world of superlatives now, where everything has to be awesome or amazing or fantastic. And it's exhausting to try to keep up with that, number one. And number two, a lot of times it isn't. I said, we have to get okay with the word fine again. It's fine if something's not amazing. Just do what you need to do, and we can move on from that. It's fine. (laughs) So fine is not a dirty word in your eyes. It's just that everybody wants you to be awesome, amazing, or fantastic. I think it's become, when I say a dirty word, I think the, the constraints that we put on ourselves to become spectacular, we treat fine like it's a dirty word, like there's something wrong with being okay and good enough. And and the truth of the matter is we're not experts at everything. Most of what we do is going to have to be just fine because we're not experts at everything. So we have to stop expecting that of ourselves and constantly then feeling like we're falling short because we're not. We're just fine most of the time. And that's okay. (laughs) You know what? That really is true because when I first was skimming through and reading about you and I saw the word fine... I think it also has to do with the inflection of your voice. So if someone says to you, how are you? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. That's different than when your husband says, what's wrong? And you say, I'm fine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the other things I say to women. We say, I say, don't use fine as a passive aggressive weapon. And they all start to chuckle when I speak to them because they know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's just what you said. When somebody does something that doesn't sit well with you and they say, what's wrong? And you go, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> it's not fine. They know it's not fine. You know it's not fine. So a clarity in communication is what we need to shoot for and to recognize that not only are we entitled to be clear, but the person with whom we are not fine deserves our clarity as well. Why do you think we do that? What is it about women? You don't see a lot of men doing that. How are you? I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Through gritted teeth. As as, as you're biting your tongue, the blood's trickling out the side of your mouth. (laughs) Right. Why do women, why do we do that? I don't get it. I don't know. I think it's this kind of idea. It always goes back to the idea that we have this perception of either who we are or who we're supposed to be in the eyes of everyone else. And somehow we see not being fine as a failure or something and not being okay or allowing people to see that there's something not right, a problem with us. And we don't like to show people that we have problems. We feel like we have to be in control of everything all the time, which is the biggest joke in the world because who's really in control of anything? That is so true. So what are some of the other dirty words that you discovered? Let me take a step back here. There are two that I kind of want to touch on. One is adventure. And I think that's a dirty word for most women, especially earlier in our lives when we have children and we're kind of taking care of a family because adventure has a tinge of danger to it sometimes. And we avoid that at all costs. We're in charge of keeping everyone safe. So we avoid the idea of adventure 
at all costs. And, and soon enough, adventure becomes wandering around the supermarket for an hour trying to figure out where they moved the peanut butter again. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. <laughs> I, I know. And that's as big of an adventure as we get. So I try to encourage women to recognize that adventure is not and should not be a dirty word and that the fear that you feel when you're trying something new is something that hooks you into being alive. You don't have to skydive. It doesn't have to be a grand adventure. There are adventures to be had every moment of every day. We just have to open ourselves up to that. Well, give me an example. A perfect example for me was a number of years ago, I was scheduled to have lunch with a couple of friends and I was supposed to go in town. I live right outside of Philadelphia. I was supposed to go in town. And as I was getting ready that morning, I thought, well, this will be fine. We'll go. We'll have lunch. It'll be nice. I wasn't really thrilled with the idea of going in town, that whole idea of getting someplace. So I went and we had lunch on the top of the Comcast building in Philadelphia. When I looked out the windows of the Comcast building, I could see the Delaware River and the Schuylkill River cupping the city of Philadelphia, which was my fourth grade geography class brought to life in front of my eyes. Wow. It was a completely unexpected moment that literally took my breath away because I I had no idea that was going to happen. I had no anticipation of an adventure today. I just that day, I just thought I was going to have salad with my girlfriends and take the train home. And here I had my I opened my eyes and look what was in front of me. So those opportunities are there. And they're not always dramatic, but they are there. We just have to be willing to look. So just be aware. Be aware of something as simple as trying a new restaurant. It doesn't have to be fancy. Try that pineapple pizza that you can't figure out why anybody in the world would want to eat. Like, (laughs) try it. (laughs) Maybe you'll find you love it. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It can be as simple as trying that, a different kind of pizza. Okay, so I have an adventure that, since you brought it up, that I have to mention. So this was when I was in college. And my best friend used to put, so don't, don't get grossed out. She used to put ketchup on pizza Ugh. and that was so disgusting. I was so grossed out by that. And then one day, now here's full disclosure. I do not do this today, but I tried it one day and it actually tasted good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I do today, so I took that adventure and moved it over to something that I could use. And so today I always ask for extra sauce. There you go. Yeah. So I'm not putting disgusting ketchup. (laughs) Yeah. On your pizza. I'm kind of glad to hear that. I have to say, (laughs) we might have to stop talking if you did. I don't know. I couldn't handle that. (laughs) But you know, it, it really just comes down to being open and to recognize that it's nothing to be afraid of. And we're at exactly the point in our lives where adventure should be something that we're seeking in big and small ways every day. Seek a new experience and equate that with adventure. That is such a great way of looking at it. So many of us put ourselves in a little box and we never leave the box. So seeking out a new adventure is great advice. Thank you. Yeah, every day. So what else did you want to point out? What are the other dirty words besides adventure and fine? Was Were there any other? And I shouldn't say fine. I should say fine. <laughs> You could say it with multiple inflections, and it's equally applicable that it's a dirty word on all of those. There are a couple of other ones. The word nice, I think, is a dirty word for women. 
because we're schooled from the time we're young to be nice. Unfortunately, that doesn't always equate with kind and gentle and sympathetic. Sometimes it equates with doormat. You have to be really thoughtful about how nice you are, especially if you get that feeling in your gut when someone asks you to do something and you're saying yes, but you're getting that clench in your stomach. You're not serving yourself. You're not serving your best interests. And ultimately, you're not serving others when you're nice for the sake of being nice and not because it's what you really want or need to do in your life. That makes total sense. But you can be nice about your decline of whatever it is they're asking you to do. You can be nice about that, but still firm, right? Absolutely. But that also leads us to the other dirty word, which is the word no. Women have a hard time saying no, because once again, we feel either the need to be nice or we have our superhero capes on, which means that we're going to save the world and take care of everybody's everything. And we do that to ourselves all the time. But we have to get comfortable with saying the word no. If you feel the need to explain it, it doesn't have to be one of those explanations that brings you back around to saying yes, because sometimes we talk, we talk ourselves into a hole. We say no, and then we don't stop talking. We keep talking until we're right back at the beginning and saying, well, you know what? I guess maybe I could do this after all. That's the wrong thing to do. We have to learn how to say, I'm really sorry, but I can't do that right now, which is a nice way of saying no and kind of getting yourself out of that space without providing every single detail that you don't need to provide. Okay, so we are going to find out more about how to say no. And we're talking with Mary Fran Bontempo from the Woman's Book of Dirty Words. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Want to know the story behind Pottern Family? Pottern Family started with a hashtag for indie podcasters, the podcasters who do this for fun and because we're passionate. We're not the big podcast you hear about, most likely. We don't have 10 to 15 people helping us with production. But that doesn't mean the quality and content you're getting isn't as good as any of those shows. Is there an area of interest you like talking to people about? Listen to an indie podcast on that topic. The hosts are incredibly reachable. We're basically clamoring to hear from listeners. We're just as much your fans as you are ours. No matter what you're interested in, Pottern Family's got a show for you. Like movies and TV? Check out the epic film guys, the Something Something cast, the Boxers, or the Countdown movie and TV review. Do you like comedy? Check out Everyone Has a Podcast, the One Word Go Show, Afterburn 739, Now That I'm Older, Rick and Paul Heal the World, or Off in the Weeds. How about random trivia and fun facts? Check out The Endless Knot or The Story Behind. Like comic books and geek culture? Check out Geek Yogurt Podcast or Little Geek Lost. I could go on and believe me when I say there are a whole lot more where that came from. But you can find all these and more by searching the hashtag Family on Twitter. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. We're talking with Mary Fran Bontempo, the author of The Woman's Book of Dirty Words. And we're going to maybe do a little bit of role playing on how to say no. Does that sound fun, Mary Fran? 
Oh, I think so. Give me a chance. That's one of my favorite words anymore. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to be the person asking you to do something and you'll be the person saying no. Okay. Okay. Let's try it. Mary Fran, I have this great opportunity. I have been a supporter of this fantastic nonprofit charity for years, and we're looking for new board members. You would make such a great board member. You, it's obvious you care so much about women. This is a great opportunity for you, for women, and I just want you to come to one meeting with me. Would you come with me next Monday at 6 p.m.? Kathy, that is an amazing cause, and I'm so proud of you for being involved in that. My schedule is tight at the moment. I'd love to support the organization in other ways. Let me know when you're having an upcoming event. I will. I definitely will. But, you know, Mary Fran, we're doing this fundraiser in May, and we are looking for people to help us out with a fundraiser. So I was just wondering, I thought of you, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Mary Fran would be perfect for this fundraiser. So what do you think, Mary Fran? Kathy, I'll be happy to donate some books if that would help you in the cause, and I'll be supportive of the organization in any other way that I can. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Yay, Mary Franz. So that was great. Thank you, because we all come across that all the time. Sure. And, you know, the fact of the matter is most of the people who are asking us of these things, they are things that, you know, if you could clone yourself and pass that off to somebody, one of your clones, and say, yeah, run with this, you would. But it's just not conceivable and it's just not possible. And recognize that people are asking you because they value you in some way, which is great. So you want to always be respectful, but you also have to be respectful of yourself and your own situation and your own immediate world and family issues and everything so that you're not cutting yourself into little itty bitty pieces that are serving no one. That is absolutely true. And, you know, they always say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. The busy people need to start saying no because it could be that our marriages are falling apart because we're so busy or we have a horrible social life or whatever. We're getting sick because we're not taking care of ourselves because we got so much to do. So that is excellent advice. Say no. It's not a dirty word. Exactly. And, you know, I want to interject this here, Kathy, because this was an issue in my life for a number of years. My son was doing extremely well right now, and I'm I'm so grateful for that. He's a recovering heroin addict. But during that time when he was in active addiction, we were just drowning. And it was a point at which we had to say no. And it became enough to just say to people, you know, we're really going through some things right now. I'm going to have to say no. And then stop right there. You don't need to spill the details of everything about what you're going through. It's enough to say and to feel comfortable with guarding your, you know, your personal life to say, you know, things are going on in my life right now. We're having a bit of a, a rough go. I can't do that right now. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And that's it. Thank you so much for bringing that up. So many of my listeners do have things that are going on in their lives, their families' lives, and they don't necessarily want the whole world to know. And you're a public figure. So thank you for saying that. But how did you deal with that? I have clients that are in the same situation. I have at least two clients whose children are dealing with heroin. And that is so tough. As a parent, what did you do? First of all, I denied it for a heck of a long time. I mean, there's no one who wants to believe that their child is is going through that. And then I guess what ends up happening is 
something happens. You go through this this wild period of time where you know something's up. You're not quite sure what it is. And then when you have a couple of days that are good, you go, okay, okay, I guess everything's all right now. And then you not forget about it, but you shelve it. And then something happens. And for us, it was my son overdosing on a prescription medication that he had taken from his uh, grandmother's house back in, oh my gosh, I don't know how long ago it was now, say 2011. When that something happened, he ended up overdosing in the hospital. It was Mother's Day, of all things, of 2011. And I ended up sleeping on the little couch in the hospital waiting for him, for, for the doctors for the next day to tell me because the medicine he had ingested had a high dose of acetaminophen, whether he was going to need a liver transplant. So it was just devastating. That was the moment that I realized, and I wish I had acknowledged it sooner, that I was in way over my head and my son needed help, and I sent him to rehab. Did he recover after that rehab, or was it like so many addicts where they go in and out? He went twice. It did not stay with him the first time. I almost don't think it's possible for it to work for them the first time. It's a very unique individual who can take this and absorb it to the core of their being, which is where they need to make these changes for it to work the first time. So he came out of rehab. He was home for a while. And very shortly into that, I knew something wasn't right. But, you know, I was so exhausted myself that I just could not bear opening that can of worms again. And as long as things were kind of on somewhat of an even keel, I was okay. And then something else happened. Someone accused him of taking some money. And I said to him, are you in trouble again? And he said, yes. And fortunately, I said to him, well, get on the phone and call the person you need to call. And he did. And this person uh, had just opened a facility. And within an hour and a half, he was back in rehab again. So it's it's an incredibly challenging thing for families to deal with. And the only thing, my one piece of advice is do not think you're going to fix this. Get professional help. That's great advice. And thank you so much for sharing. I know this is way off topic. It is. It's life. Honestly, Kathy, I don't think there's a person in this country anymore who does not know someone who they're either related to or they know a friend whose child or somebody is dealing with this issue. It's that important, and we really need to get it out of the shadows and talk about it. Absolutely. Maybe that'll be your next book. (laughs) Maybe. It could be. (laughs) Or maybe you need to politely say, no, no, Kathy, I'm not writing a book on that. You know, it's it's funny you say that though, and this is something to do I think with all of where all of us are in our lives at this point because you do get to this point where where with the things that have happened, you've gotten through them, but you, it's not always a healthy thing to go back and relive them. You have to be prepared for that and ready for that. And I think I don't know that I'm ready to write the book yet, but I am ready to as I said bring it out of the shadows and share my story with people if it's going to help. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, maybe at some point in the future, I'll get another guest on who has experience who wants to share. But what you have given us is just amazing content. So thank you. Thank you again. Okay. So I also, in addition to the dirty words, are are there any other dirty words you want to talk about before we start talking about granny panties? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the last one is balance. 
That is a dirty word. I think it's always been a dirty word for women. because, And I think some man said there had to be work-life balance because I don't think any woman ever came up with that term. But, you know, I think that's been such a bugaboo for us because we feel like we've always been pulled in so many different directions. And I think the important thing to realize is that it's a fluid thing and you have to pull back and do a big picture take on it. I often liken balance to one of those Macy's parade balloons and one it's got all these people pulling at it from either side and one time it's listing to the left and one time it's listing to the right but it's never completely balanced it's never in the center and it's really not meant to be so my last word on that topic of dirty words would be recognize that balance is an organically changing fluid thing and that's fine. Right. So sometimes your work is going to take precedence. Sometimes your your personal life is going to. And as long as one thing isn't always taking over, then I think you're right. I think the balance has to do with not everyday balance, but overall balance. It's big picture balance. Yes. And the one other thing that I would say is that it always, always has to include something for you in that mix. Make sure that your balance is not always about making everybody else happy, but make sure that you're indulging yourself. And boy, that can be a dirty word for us too, indulgence. But make sure you're indulging yourself some way in that balance equation. That's really important. What could that look like? For some of us, it's as simple as, for me, it's like eating chocolate in the afternoon and turning say yes to the dress on. I mean, it's (laughs) (laughs) and possibly following with a wine chaser. I don't know. That's just occasionally, (laughs) but sometimes. So it doesn't have to be anything. You don't have to script it. It can be that momentary thing where you go, you know, I don't really feel like cleaning the dishes right now. I'm going to sit down and like I said, read a magazine, watch a TV show, whatever. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to whatever. Um, it, whatever indulgence feels like to you and making you feel good and giving you that, that lift. That's all that has to be. Well, that makes total sense. So I must be very indulgent because I don't do the dishes. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> My husband does those. We have a deal. I cook. I make a huge mess. And he cleans up and does the dishes. That is a good man. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because when we were dating, I made it a point to invite him over. You know how when someone's going to come over, you clean up? Yes. I made it a point not to do that. And I invited him over. I wanted to make sure that he knew what his life was going to be. (laughs) (laughs) That was very prescient of you. That was very, very smart. And he's still with you. So there you go. You did the right thing. That's right. And when when we first got married, I didn't cook. We did lean cuisine. I'm not kidding you for two years. I did those little Stouffer's pizza things. I did those things. (laughs) Well, you know, it wasn't my husband that got me cooking. It was actually my friends. They guilted me because I've got this fantastic humongous kitchen. It's got two ovens. And they're like, you've got two ovens. You've never used them. Really? Kathy, you need to cook. So I'm learning. I mean, I'm not a gourmet by any stretch, but I'll throw a chicken in the crock pot now. (laughs) There you go. That's all it takes. That's that's another thing. Just, I love those meals where you can throw everything into one pot and then six hours later it's ready. Oh, they're the best. I love it. Get a pressure cooker too, because you do the same thing, but they're ready in 20 minutes. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I am dying because you have the not ready for granny panties and I know that you've got 11 steps in there to stay out of them. Just tell me one, give me one tip to stay out of the granny panties. Here's one of your commandments. Thou shalt stop shoulding thyself. (laughs) Shoulding. 
And the play on words is intentional, but it's we are always filling our days up with things that we should and shouldn't do. And should very often equals obligation, and they're manufactured obligations most of the time. These are things we put on ourselves. And shouldn't often equals denial. Well, I shouldn't have that cookie. I shouldn't buy the shoes. I shouldn't spend the money. I shouldn't be relaxing right now. I shouldn't whatever. We, we need to change that language to must and want. I must do this, that, or the other in place of should. And I want to do X, Y, or Z in place of shouldn't. And that will do wonders to keep you out of those mental granny panties. I love it. <laughs> you have been great fun. Absolutely. So tell us, how can people get a hold of you or buy your books? Unfortunately for the world, I am everywhere on social media. Just look me up on Mary Fran Bontempo. I have a website, maryfranbontempo.com. You kindly mentioned the blog, notreadyforgrannypanties.com. And people can email me at maryfranbontempo.com. Books are on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and links on the websites. Absolutely. That is wonderful. We're going to have some links on our website as well. That was great fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. For the listeners, if you'd like to join in on this conversation with Mary Fran and me, head on over to the show notes at rockyourretirement.com. Leave a comment. And if you'd like to join our Insiders Club, I'll send you a link to our private Facebook group, So thanks so much. Thank you, Mary Fran. Appreciate it. It was a delight. Thanks, Kathy. You're welcome. And we'll see you next week on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Positive and Lively slash Interesting by Homer As. Homer writes, very good podcast on topics related to retirement. I'm aged challenged in my life and fire, but I get so much value listening to these, quote, retirement life topics, unquote, as a change from the normal money topics normally presented on other podcasts. Kathy's energy makes all shows exciting and the varied topics keep things fresh, Positive review for a positive show. Thanks, Homer. I really appreciate it. Wasn't that fun? I'd love for you to leave a review too. And if you don't know how, just go to rockyourretirement.com slash review, and that'll take you to a free video tutorial that shows you how.